today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Wherever you go, there you are, right? So, you know, as much as I was traveling to find myself, that was never going to work. Like, it's the internal work, right? And so what I learned through that and with some journaling and some deep thinking is kind of like, what is going to make me happy? And it wasn't necessarily all of the travel. That was a big piece of it, but it was the ability to travel. And it was the freedom, the freedom to work from Starbucks, to work on my own hours, to feel like I was making a difference. And so I think to me, travel signified freedom. And that's my definition of success now. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because, of, Rita, because of Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and vlogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me. Like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Welcome back to another week of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. I am so excited for this week because I am bringing to you an incredible guest. Now, so many people go into entrepreneurship because they want to experience more freedom, freedom to spend time the way they want, freedom to work when they want, freedom to work from wherever they want, travel, time with family, whatever that reason is. That's one of the top motivators for people to go into business for themselves. Yet, I think we've all been there. We know, for those of us who have done it, that once you start that business, the freedom doesn't exactly feel the way that you thought it would feel. And in fact, sometimes it can feel like you have no freedom at all. And so if that's you right now, if you are in your business and you are working towards this quote unquote freedom lifestyle and you're wondering, how do I do it? Or maybe you haven't even started your business yet and you're like, I need to listen to this (laughs) so I know how to do this from the beginning. You're going to love today's episode. My guest is Sarah Kornblatt Waldbuser, who is an intellectual property law attorney, but is so much more than that. She is my attorney uh, for my trademark that's coming soon. I think we're almost there at the end. It's so exciting. But she is also a member of a mastermind group, not that I run, that I'm a member of. Um, And so you're going to hear a little bit about that. And I just, she has an incredible story. And what I love about what she's going to tell you today is exactly how you can get to this freedom, (laughs) the freedom that we're all wanting from running a business. And it may not be the way that you're exactly thinking. So I am so excited to have you with me today, Sarah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. Um, So for everyone who kind of, uh, maybe you heard my little blurb about Sarah at the beginning, but uh, Sarah isn't just like an amazing attorney um, who turned entrepreneur, but state attorney. So we're going to talk about that. Um, But she's also, you guys know, I'm part of a mastermind group. She's one of my mastermind um, partners. So she has like 
insight into me a little more. And we have insight into each other's businesses a little more. So I'm just really excited to have somebody here who is an integral part of my business and growing my business as well. But to, especially because I have a lot that I want her to to tell all of you today. So let's get the first thing first, because it seems like I always like attract to my podcast attorneys turned entrepreneur, but you're slightly, <laughs> slightly different. So like, let's just jump into that. So you were an attorney in the traditional attorney life, right? You were in DC here and you were working for a firm, correct? Correct. And I wish we'd known each other back then because we could have had some fun. I know. So what, like, what were you doing? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was doing um, actually regulatory law, which is quite common if you're working in a firm in D.C. And I was focused on um, food and drug law and working for big clients and writing opinion letters and doing research that, you know, who knows if people read it or not, but it was not super fun. Um, I worked with great people and it was a great first job, you know, it was my first job out of law school, my first like adult job. So I spent a little bit of time kind of reveling in that. And I had a paycheck and I could travel and buy things. But it was pretty quick that I realized I was not meant for the partner track or the corner office. Yeah, we're definitely getting into that. Um, So were you, you're not from DC, where are you from originally? No, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. And after law school, I was kind of debating a couple different cities. Um, actually, I was deciding between Chicago and D.C., and I live in Chicago now, so I ended up in both places. But I was really idealistic. I wanted to change the world and have an impact, and so D.C. kind of drew me in. Yeah. Did you like living here? I did. I loved it. I was there for almost eight, eight and a half years. Um, met some amazing friends that I'm still really close with today. And, you know, it was a great time in my life, you know, my late 20s. And I was single and had these great girlfriends. And we just hung out and went out and traveled. And um, it was a good time for sure. And, you know, I was kind of the opposite, right? In my singles and my 20s, I was living in Chicago. I guess <laughs> that's where I went to law school, right? But like, let's be honest, which is better, Chicago or D.C.? Oh, they're so different. So different. You cannot compare. Really, the two. I they totally both... can. I Chicago. <laughs> I'm just gonna give you. Oh, and I was thinking. I was thinking DC. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just totally give you the answer. It's just Chicago, right? Oh, Except it's so cold. So different. So yeah. cold in Chicago. I mean, that's. But what I love about Chicago is the world goes on when it's cold, and the world goes on when it snows, and everything still happens, and at life goes on. But in DC, that's not really true. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at ice and snow and I'm bundled up right now. We haven't seen the sun in like five days. Yeah, that what that is the thing about Chicago winters that I remember is just gray. It's we at least have blue skies here in the winter, and that is yeah. really nice. Um, so in fact, I worked at uh, a law firm in Chicago in the NBC Tower, and so we looked out over the Chicago River and just it was just the winter was just great. It was so it could have been so yeah. beautiful, felt so blah. But it, so why were you not set for the corner office and the partnership track? Like, what did you not like about that? I didn't like being tied down. So I didn't like having to be somewhere at 8am every day of the week. I love to travel and I didn't like having I didn't like that I didn't have the freedom to do that. 
And especially as an attorney, I didn't like tracking my time and, you know, 0.15 increments. I didn't like um, feeling the pressure to get it right and to be serving these big companies. And Yeah, it's very it stressful. Felt, yeah, super stressful. Yeah, it, it felt like I was playing a role. Like I was playing the young associate. Yeah. And I just knew, I get, I, I don't know that it was necessarily like, I just knew I was meant for more, but I knew that I was meant for something different and that this life, no matter how much money came with it, wasn't going to make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely understand that, but it's funny because you, the first thing you said was, you know, I didn't want to be tied down. And that's kind of the theme that I have for you for today's interview, because <laughs> you, I mean, you have running through your life, this consistent theme of travel and freedom and like just like outside the normal kind of expected uh, way of being and outside the stuff, whatever you want to say, right? Like you like it to be unconventional. You like things to be a little different. So you have traveled a good portion of your life, right? But when you were a kid, so think back, right, to like Mm -hmm. however you adorable you were when you were like five or whatever, like growing up with your family, were you guys stationary in one place? Were you a like nomadic family? Did did you travel a lot or were you just like you grew up in, uh, you know, where where was it? Missouri. Missouri. And like that's where you were. Uh, Tell me like so you weren't used to traveling as a kid. No, no. In fact, I don't think I saw the ocean until I was like 10 when we went to Florida because Missouri, most of you probably know, is landlocked. <laughs> um, and so I li- I've lived in Missouri my whole life, but we did, we actually did move houses. So my mother um, loves to move and we, we actually moved houses probably every five years, okay. but they were all within like, hmm five miles. Um, It definitely wasn't traveling that way. And, you know, vacations were around Missouri. Like at that that point, my dad, who actually is an entrepreneur, was growing his business. And so there, at that time, there wasn't um, a lot of money for vacations and stuff like that. It wasn't really until high school um, when I got the travel bug after my sophomore year of high school, I studied abroad in Italy and did like an exchange program. Oh, where that's I, like, not a bad place to family. start. That's not a bad place to start your love of travel is Italy. Yeah. So it was a exchange program and, um, you know, it was my first time obviously out of the country and everything like that. And it just really opened my eyes to travel. And so from that point on, I definitely had the bug and I went abroad the next summer. I spent the summer in Israel. And then when I was in college, I again studied abroad in Rome and traveled throughout Europe. And so it just kept But then after growing. school, you did just keep traveling, right? Like even when it wasn't part of like going abroad, you, Sarah, individual single woman, like kept traveling. So a question about that, right? Because I know that I grew up where I was told to be terrified of that, right? Like I love my mama. I love her to pieces, but it's like, you don't travel alone. So I was at um, DC PodFest recently and I was talking to 
the woman who runs a podcast for the National Parks Association. And we were talking about, you know, she wants more women to like go to the parks and camp. And I'm like, that is the scariest thing you could ever tell me is to go hiking through a park by myself and camp in a tent by myself in the middle of the woods because there is the fear of God in me of traveling alone that something's going to happen, right? So I'm really curious with you, like, how was it that you felt safe to travel solo as a woman out in the world? Was that even a thought of yours? Did you never even think about it? Or um, how, you know, tell me, like, I just want to be able to do that. I mean, I want to be able to just say, I'm going to this country all by myself with no fears, but I, I can't, like, I can't do that yet. Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. So the first trip I ever took alone um, I, well, actually, let me wind back up. I must have had this independence in me because when I was going to travel abroad in high school, I had to fly up to Chicago to get my visa. And I flew, I was 15, 16, I flew by myself just for the day, went downtown. I can't believe my parents let me. Oh do my this. gosh. <laughs> that was like my first like experience. My first trip was when I had graduated law school, I was 25, I guess 26, working at the law firm. I decided on a whim that I was going to go to London by myself for Thanksgiving. So I'd never been to London before, even though I had traveled in Europe when I was in college, I didn't make it um, that far north. And I I was just like, I'm going to do it. I needed, you know, like travel it's that thing for me. It like makes me feel alive. And so I, I wasn't scared, you know, I went and had a hotel and I, you know, just got to know London. I went to a show, I went to a concert, like did all of these things by myself. I've always been really comfortable doing that. Like even to this day, I'll go to movies by myself. And my mom is like, you went to a movie by yourself. Like, (laughs) I I am an introvert and so I love I love that. So I love um, that. I do love going to take I I am a great date. I take myself out to dinner and I take myself out to the movies and I take myself to a, sh- a concert. Like I'm a really great date and I always get to come home with myself. So like, that's really yeah. good, right? But like I the travel thing, I don't know what I don't know what it is. I I know I know what it is. It's my mom. I like I love her, but I know what it is. And I know she was very protective of us. And there's some validity, right? And so you've traveled, tell me some of the countries you've traveled to. Yeah, I mean you have you obviously have to be careful. I'm acting I am I'm going to behave differently in London than I am in India. Yeah. So you know I've been to Egypt and Jordan, you know, I'm not going out by myself at night in those places where I might do that in Paris, right? right? And so you have to think of your surroundings. You know, I traveled throughout India, not by myself. So like, when I went to India, I was like, I'm not just going to go travel India, I signed up for a group tour and had a tour guide the whole time, right? And so same thing. Um, you know, when I was in Vietnam, I like to do a day tour. And so I get someone to show me around. But there have been scary times. So in actually in India, the first time I went to India, I later lived there for almost a year and I loved it. But my first time was such extreme culture shock that I went outside my hotel and I wandered up and down the street because I couldn't cross the road. So if anyone listening has been to India, you understand what I'm saying. Like, I couldn't cross the road. So I just like went back into my hotel 
and like hid for 12 hours. So there's definitely been times where I have, you know, been scared or nervous, but it's just, you know, I'm not going to go to certain parts of Chicago by myself at night. Right. So you just, you have to be smart about it. But like, for me, I like my being on an airplane and like sitting at an airport bar is like probably my favorite place to be. And like travelers are friendly. So especially if you're, you know, depending on where you're staying and if, you know, if you're working from your laptop and you're hanging out at, in the hotel lobby, like you might meet other people. So I spent um, a month living in Croatia a couple of years ago and I went to an expat meetup and I connected with a woman and we were friends for the next month and we traveled around Croatia together. And so even if you're traveling. This is yeah. fascinating to me because, because you're an introvert, right? So I'm not. I'm not an introvert. Like I have no problem finding the, the next meetup and just going and introducing myself to strangers and being like, hey, I'm Rita. What's up? But like I know that my introvert clients and all, I tell them to go to a meetup and my old dating clients that were introverts looked at me like I had 18 heads. Like you want me to go to a place with strangers and say hello? So you're like, I'm an introvert. I like to go alone. But also like I would just go meet up with these other people and I would just find an expat meetup and I would just like connect. So like that is fascinating. Did you think it was easier to do it because you had no other connections? And so it was like. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting and maybe I should diagnose or something about this. I won't go to meetups in the United States. Like I won't. (laughs) Like my husband is like, there's so many meetups in Chicago, like go meet some more people. I'm like, no, but like, if I, if I'm in Berlin, Germany, I'm like, sure. sign me. That's so so interesting. I think there, there is something about when you're traveling and you're meeting other travelers, you automatically have this thing in common common and something to talk about, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a digital nomad and in that world as well. Um, But I am an introvert. It's not always the easiest thing. And I guess, it, in my experience, it has been a bit easier yeah. for me to do when I'm when no, I'm I like abroad that. in another country. And I would tell people too, like when I was a date coach, right? I would say like. Um pick an activity as the first date because at least you have that in common. Like you can talk about the activity, right? Like once you're, you have a common life situation or, I mean, that's the very definition of community, right? Is that members of a community share a common goal or agenda or life circumstance, right? And then that's what allows them to connect. So you're right, like going out in Chicago doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have like something in common with all those people, right? But I yeah, I would ch- I would challenge you, Sarah, to find a meetup of people <laughs> that also like to travel that happen to be in Chicago and like go I there. Know, right? I know. <laughs> but um okay, so what was your favorite place to to travel to and why? This is a very hard question. I've been asked a lot. Um I think my favorite place in terms of kind of vacation type travel is Santorini, Greece. Like I just had such a magical experience there. Um, But also one of my favorite travel experiences has been a safari in Africa. Like there was like, that is something I always wanted to do. It was just as amazing as I dreamed about. I read the book, The Poisonwood Bible, and then I never wanted Mm -hmm. to go (laughs) (laughs) see terrible right my mother has really ruined me for travel but that would be incredible that would be incredible and greece is definitely magical did the magic have something to do with like a boy or anything (laughs) i don't know how old you were yeah no i mean i went um i guess just within the last 
five, seven oh, years. Oh, okay, so that was recent. One of my girlfriends. Yeah, so I have like a travel buddy girlfriend. Um, she came and met me when I was in India. We went to Italy together. Like, she's the one where I'm like, hey, I'm going here. Do you want to come? And she's like, yeah. Let's do it. I mean, it's different now. We're both married with babies. But yeah, you can I'm leave sure. the babies with the husbands and I go know, travel. Like, for sure. Um, <laughs> one day in the future, we'll be back to it. But yeah, I would say um, African Safari and then Greece are definitely the top. Um, but then Asia, there's just something special about Asia. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? It's a hard question. So I, I'm sure. I mean, every place is different, right? Every place has its its thing that you love. But um, it's not a surprise to me then that you really like solo travel, given what you said about what you didn't like about the law office, right? Like restrictions mm-hmm. and people telling you what to do and when you have to be where and that you have no flexibility. I don't think people really understand what it's like to be a lawyer. But like you have zero flexibility in your days or in your life, right? And solo travel is like, I'm not with anybody telling me where to go and what to do and that we have to go to this museum exhibit and that we have to like, I get to control my itinerary. I get to control my agenda. Right. Um, and so that it just ties in, I think, to to like and I'm wondering if that's because right in your childhood, like you were just stationary, like you didn't get to see mm-hmm. a lot, like you didn't. Have you always fought against like were you always a person that just pushed back against rules and like regulations and which is funny that you're an attorney right um but I know (laughs) yeah so I think I think I push back against the norms of society in terms of like you go to college and you get a job and you live here and you get married you know I didn't get married until I was 38 like I I think I have like definitely always taken a non-traditional path yeah However, I am also a type A attorney, so I do follow all of the laws and all of those things. <laughs> so weird. It's such a dichotomy. Um, it's so weird. So, okay, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about, because you were, I said, oh, you were traveling, but there was a lot of travel that was also for work between there, right? So you're, you, you push back against the normal path, but in a way you did, you started with the normal path. You went to college, you went to law school, you got out of law school, you became an attorney, you hated it, right? Welcome to the club, right? You hated it, but you got out a lot quicker than I did. It's like, like 13 years, right? And you're not really out, but I mean, to get out of the firm life, right? I got out of it completely. So you were doing, but like, tell, tell me a little bit about when you realized that you didn't like the firm life, you didn't go right into running your own business as a lawyer. So what was some of the between there uh, that was going on? Because one thing you told me in some notes were, I was just trying to find myself, like I was kind of lost, right? And so it's like, I'm just wondering if the travel piece of it was also part of like, trying to find yourself, right? Yeah, and you're right. There was a good five or six years in between when I started my own business and that. And so um, when I was leaving the law firm, I was trying, you know, I needed to figure out what I wanted to do for a job, right? You need, I needed money. Um, and I still, I wanted a career where I could travel. So like travel was still this ever present thing. Like, how can I get more, do more? But I also really wanted to help people and um, health and women's health and underserved populations has always really been important to me. And so I thought that I would go into like global health, health policy. And so I actually went back to school and got my master's in public health with a concentration on policy. And it was through that um, that I spent the next several years you know, that was when I lived in India and I worked for a nonprofit. And then I worked in DC 
at a think tank on um, the international health regulations, which is a legal treaty geared towards helping the public keep up with their disease surveillance systems in all of these other countries. And um, actually what's going on right now with the public health emergency with the coronavirus, like that's what I was doing. I was going to all countries all throughout Africa and Asia and the Middle East and um, working with ministries of health on looking at their disease surveillance systems and seeing if they um, met the regulations. And so there was, you know, obviously a legal tie in there, but it was also very public health related. You know, this in theory was my dream job. I was traveling, I was, you know, spending weeks at a time abroad and I was writing these reports for the U.S. government and I was helping people, right? But it didn't fit. Like I still wasn't happy. And so I I learned a, that like traveling for work is very different than traveling for you. Right. So I would be in South Africa or I would be in Jordan or I would be in, you know, Malaysia and, but not necessarily have the freedom to do what I wanted. And so it, you know, it was, a great experience. Again, I've been so lucky to work with some really amazing people. Um, But again, in that role, when I was walking into these ministries of health, like, again, I felt like I was an actor, like I was playing the part of this public health official, this attorney. um, And I just knew, again, like deep down that this wasn't it. And so... So... You knew that wasn't it. You went into it. You really, you enjoyed it, right? But like, what do you think it was that kept you from really digging? And do you think it was just, I'm trying to figure out the way to word this. Was there Were there expectations from your family or from people around you and you felt like your job needed to be a certain kind of job or a certain, and I'll clarify this later because I don't want to give away what I think, the, right? Like, But do you think that there were just, oh, well, if I'm not going to be a lawyer, then I need to, you You put all the buzzwords out there. I need to be at a think tank. I need to be working on these regulations. I need to be, so I can't let go of that professional piece. So how do I add in the trap? Like, were you still finding jobs because it, you thought it made other people happy, I guess, and not you? Or was that not a thing for you? No, I think I was definitely caught up in the DC bubble. So, you know, I was, going to meetings at the State Department. I was going to meetings at the Department of Defense. I was, you know, there were big names and do you felt like you were doing important things. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I was lucky enough that this job was like the first one that I applied for and got. So I, it wasn't like I was looking around and um, it, it seemed like it would be a really good fit for the experience. Um, but yes, there was definitely ego involved in that. I knew that my parents like were happy with it and wanted me in that kind of traditional role. Um, I did like the security of it for sure of having that job. Um, yeah, you kept so and, yes, and you kept, think, but yeah. but you kept trying. So you 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 had that. Job. I'm going to ask a very like pointed question here in a minute, but like so you had that job and. It, you were kind of wrapped up in defining success as we all do here in DC by what you do, right? I mean, you know that that's the number one question. Like, so what do you do, yeah. right? And you go to other places and that's not a question that gets brought up, right? But here it's like, 
the first thing. Oh, so what do you do? Um, and so that success, the definition of success by like what your title is, what you do, who you know, where you go, right, where you live, all of that. But yet you knew you were still unhappy. You left that job and you kept traveling. So part of your theme and your like, and I just kept traveling and I was just trying to find myself and I was trying to like still figure out who I was and get unlost, right? So I'm curious how traveling has helped you change your definition of what success is or has it. And if it has, what is your definition of success now if it's not um, the things that it was, you know, your title and and all of that? Yeah. So I think as we all know, especially in kind of the online world and in the self-development space, that like wherever you go, there you are, right? So you know, as much as I was traveling to find myself, that was never going to work. Like it's the internal work. Right. And so what I learned through that and with some journaling and some deep thinking is kind of like, what is going to make me happy? And it wasn't necessarily all of the travel. That was a big piece of it, but it was the ability to travel. And it was the freedom, the freedom to work from Starbucks, to work on my own hours, to feel like I was making a difference. And so I think to me, travel signified freedom. And that's my definition of success now. The freedom to work when I want, where I want, you know, and whether or not that includes travel. You know, travel these days for me is quite different because I'm just in a different stage of my life. Um, now my husband loves to travel. We took our baby to Cuba a few months ago. So like, it's still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The bug is still there. Um, but it's just a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And you, um, I, I like what you said, right? Like you, wherever you go, there you are. It's not like you can run away from yourself. Right. So a lot of people do say, wow, the entrepreneur, and we're going to get to this too, the entrepreneur lifestyle, and you just get to travel wherever you, and like, that must be so wonderful. And like your digital nomad lifestyle or whatever, um, it must be so fun make you so happy. Right. But like, if the core of who you are as a person, right, it doesn't matter like where you go to travel. It, it's not the travel that helps you find. I mean, it is a, the experiences that you have that help you find yourself. But people think, oh, if I'm not happy here, if I just travel here and just travel here and just travel here, then that new environment will make me happy. And it's more like right. you were stuck with yourself so much. You had to like figure out who you were, right? Like, yeah. who am I? And I, you know, I did do the digital nomad life for 15 months. I traveled by myself and then also with other digital nomads in Thailand and Vietnam and Germany. And, you know, it's fun, but it's also, yes, it can be lonely. And when you're traveling like that, you're always planning where you're going to travel. It's You have to be super disciplined if you're trying to run a business or start a business. And so during that time, this was before Destination Legal, it was before I moved to Chicago, like, I wasn't that successful. It was a struggle. I was still, I was doing consulting for my previous job. I was helping some other online business owners grow their businesses. I loved the travel aspect of it, but it wasn't, you know, there were some struggles there too. Well, you, you fell and into the same thing you said of you started your own business and you started your own like kind of legal, legal consulting business, helping people, but you ran it super attorney. Like you ran it in the masculine energy, right? And you ran it like, this is the way, again, this is how a professional does things, right? Like this is what it's like to be like, just like when I started my business, right? I came out of the gate and it was like, 
oh, the name of my business is going to be Women's Business Garden. And at Women's Business Garden, we do these things to block. It's not like, you know, it wasn't Rita made me do it. And like, here I am. It was very like, so it seems like you kind of, even though it's like you you started figuring out more that you didn't want to work for somebody else, you still were under the trappings of, but this is how it has to look and how it has to feel for it to be professional. When did you realize this isn't working? I have to do things like completely I have to run this in a way that doesn't feel like the way an attorney would run a law practice. I mean, when it wasn't making any money, <laughs> I, was li- I was living back in my parents and like about to start waitressing. Like I was like, this just isn't working. And hold on, let's get it, let's knew- get into that because other people are like, okay, so you re- you weren't making money, it wasn't working, and you decided to jump, you know, you, you pivoted a little bit. We're going to talk about that. But I, I do want people out there to, it wasn't, it wasn't that it's just like, oh, this isn't working. Let's just jump into something else, right? You knew that it wasn't being a lawyer necessarily that wasn't working for you, right? It was the style that you were running your business in. And so were you not, because you weren't happy with how your business felt, tell me, like, what were you not doing? What were, like, why was your business not making the money that you wanted it to? Were you just not doing the things you needed to do because you didn't love your business? Or what do you think it was? Yeah. So I think it was a combo. So a big piece of it was, this was like seven or eight years ago when being an attorney online was like a very new thing. Yeah. There were not a lot of people doing it. And so there were not a lot of models of how it should be done or could be done. And so I did not want to get disbarred. So like I was trying to figure out how can I do this? How can I sell products legally? Like, what does this look like? And there really weren't examples. So I didn't, I wasn't selling templates. I wasn't doing trademarks. Like a lot of the things that I have now and that I love doing now, they just weren't even on my periphery. Yeah. I, I didn't know the coaching world existed. So I didn't know who my clients were. They were actually at that point more like small business owners, yeah. like dog walkers and things like that versus um, my home now really is online entrepreneurs and coaches and things like that. So I think it was a combo of me being scared and not knowing you know, who my audience was, how I could run this business, not having a lot of examples, and then also just not understanding marketing either. So I was just learning what it meant to have an email list or work on a website, like those were all new skills. And so I think I jumped in without any safety net, I I had left my nine to five, like, I, you know, I always, suggest like there's nothing wrong if you're trying to build a business and you're starting out doing it on the side and make sure that you have money to support you or else you're going to put way too much pressure on this business from the start and so um I think it was just kind of destined to tank it and then be reborn years later you know in a different way so uh, you, you've traveled without fear, right? You just hopped on a plane for that first trip and just went and got your visa and you've just traveled without fear. And then all of your business stuff is, yeah, I mean, whatever. I just left the firm and I went and did this policy thing. And then, oh yeah, and I got this and I I jumped into that. And then it's like, well, that wasn't working. And so I just 
just jumped into creating my own business. And like, I I lived at home for a while, but I was like trying to make it work. Oh, but that wasn't working. And so I just like redefined it, right? Like the words were just like jumped in. Like you jump in and you just pivot and you just do it. And you're like, but I didn't have a safety net. You didn't necessarily have a safety net a lot of the times that you were doing this, right? So what do you think it was? Like what, was there like a mindset? Was there something, a motto was the word I wrote down, but like, was there something that you had that just let you go, whatever, I can just try it this way or I can just try it that way? Or were you sitting there going, what the F? And like, this is gonna be like terrifying. Like, were you just like, was it reactive or was it more like it'll all work out? Or I'm just kind of curious what your mindset was around the time of all the pivots because that's so hard for people to do to just pivot and feel like, okay, right? But you're talking about it in a very like, yeah, okay. It just, that was, I guess it was destined to tank. And then I was just going to do something else, right? So what was your mindset like around then? Yeah. So, you know, as I said, my dad is an entrepreneur and built a business and sold it very successfully. And if there's one thing he taught me, it was do what you love and the money will follow. And I was in search of doing what I love. And I felt like that was such a strong pull that none of the other stuff mattered. Like I wasn't, I was never going to be stuck in an unhappy job. And so it was kind of my mission to find my purpose. Now, along the way, I've realized that's kind of, you know, that's an arbitrary thing, really. Um, But I was like looking for this thing. And that was what was important to me. And I always had lived kind of, Yes, it will all work out, but then also um, I could die tomorrow. So it's like I'm not going to waste time being unhappy or or not seeing the world. There's so much out there to explore, and it's all going to be fine. It's all going to work out. And, you know, my past looks so disjointed, but then looking back now, it was all leading me to where I am yeah, now. Yeah. And so and it's really about those trade-offs, right? Like like the the feeling of just like being unhappy doing was was heavier, right, for you than the risk or the fear of doing something completely new, traveling to a new place. Like right, it's like it's we talk about trade-offs all the time, right? It's like they're trade-offs with everything, but with that it's kind of like Okay, like I could be miserable or I could be scared over here and completely uncomfortable, but I'd, I'd rather be scared and uncomfortable and excited than, you know, like being like terrified and miserable over here. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's like that's yeah. yeah. So for me, that there's there's a fear I get where I know I'm doing something exciting. Like when I decided I was going to move to India or when I decided I was going to leave my job and start an online business, like that's it's scary, but it's like exciting scary. And that's very different than than the fear I had of like being stuck or feeling unhappy. Yeah, but you know like, what the difference is between those, right? You just summed it up in words that I think every single one of my episodes comes back to, which is I decided, right? Like you decided to move to India and be excited about it. You decided to try a new thing and do it. But like with the other stuff, it wasn't so much a decision. It was like I fell into this career or this is what I felt like I should do. Or so it's like and, and there was no like real decision about it. It was more just like this is the next step or this is the next thing. This is where I go. Yeah. Right. I mean, I went I went to law school because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Like that's the reason. It wasn't necessarily because I was dying to be a lawyer. Yeah. I wanted to help people. And so I was like, lawyers can help people. You know, I thought I might be like a human rights lawyer or whatever. 
and you know, many attorneys start out that way and very quickly get sidetracked. Um, but I, I basically did that because I didn't know what else to do. And I knew, I knew that it wasn't going to be a waste. Like it's a good education. And honestly, staying in school, like was less scary than trying to think about sure. yeah. the job I would get for the next 50 years. You know, people are always, it's just easier to be comfortable and and unhappy, right, than it is to be uncomfortable and potentially, like, happy. Like, it's just easier. It's just because it requires a lot of fear-conquering energy, right? And it's like, oh, well, I don't have to conjure that energy up if I just stay in at least what's predictable and what's known so that's easier, even if it's worse, right? So how did you ultimately find, you said, I want to do what I love. I want to find my purpose. I There are a lot of people that ask me that all the time, Rita, I want to start a business and how do I do it? And I want to do what I love and should I do my passion or should I, like, what should I do and how do you get to do that? Like, and, and how do I not fall into the trap of having a business that I've created that I hate? How did you ultimately find what you love, do what you love, and then turn that into your business now? Yeah. So I felt that I was very unlucky because I never had this purpose. Like one of my best friends knew from the time she was seven that she was going to be a doctor and she's a doctor. You know, like I have other friends that are like, I'm going to be an attorney and they're attorneys. And so I never had that like, I have to be an artist. Like I, even in law school, I was doodling on the side. That was never me. Okay. Like I'm not, maybe that's why I'm a type A attorney. Like I am not super creative in that way. I don't draw or, you know, that kind of thing. Same. So there was never this, <laughs> Same. Yeah, there was never, there was never this, like, I have this passion to knit. I wish I could turn it into a business. That was not it. No. For me, the passion was travel, which turned into a passion for freedom. And then that was that was the answer for me is how can I create a freedom-based business? And, you know, I spent years doing this stuff, like these books and these things. And one of the things that really is true is like, what do you love? What are you good at? What are people going to pay you for? What's the middle there, yeah. right? And so for me, I happen to be good at law. People happen to want to need it, pay for it because they need it. And so while, you know, I have learned to love it, I fought the destination legal for a while. I thought maybe I would be a health coach or a business coach. I actually am a certified health coach because I was like, that sounds like an awesome career. Like, I've always, you know, been interested in health and had my own health issues. So I was like, how great to be able to help other people. Well, as soon as I started doing that, I was like, I don't want to coach people. That sounds like very tough. Um, but it was through that that I learned how much coaches need legal support. And that kind of opened the door there. And I would say I learned to love doing the legal because I saw what a difference it was making for other people in their businesses. So I, you know, yes, I'm an attorney for coaches and online business owners, but I'm also an online business owner. And so it's my mission to help other, you know, it ends up being mostly women, um, protect the passion-based business that they're growing, right? And so there are, you know, amazing health coaches and business coaches and life coaches and Etsy shop owners and e-commerce store owners that that need my help. And so it almost became a, a thing where it was like, it's selfish not to, because A, there aren't, there's still to this day, aren't many people doing what I'm doing. There are more and more every day. 
Um, but I actually surprisingly found my purpose when I stopped trying to find my purpose. Yeah, right. When you saw your yeah. Like I just I just I wanted the freedom. I knew that I needed to build a sustainable business and I have just tried to have fun along the way. Yeah. But see, I love you. To me, you reversed engineered it, right? You were like, what is it that I want to feel? Like, I want to feel freedom and I want, you know, like your core values almost, right? To put the buzz phrase of core values out there, but it's like freedom and service and helping women or like, what? like these are things that are important to me. Cool. Now, how can I back into that? What are the things that will allow me to back into that? And it's like, oh yeah, I have these skills and I have these strengths and like, I can figure this out and I can do this. Whereas I think some people like they try to step into the end result, right? Like, and it's like, oh, if I do this, then, right, hopefully that will lead me to these feelings and I'll, and they get too hung up in who, again, who they are and what they do, right? What my title is and what I'm called. And like, that's the number one thing people come to me about as a business coach. Like, Marita, what do I say? I don't want to say I'm a coach or like, I don't want to like, and I'm like, why are you even talking about your title at all? Tell people what you do, like what you do for them. Right. Um, And so I love that you kind of reversed engineered, like, it's like, this is what's important. How I get there can change. How I get there can ebb and flow as long as I'm always feeling these things and this is my core, right? And then so you can pivot, but you're really stable because it's like, this is my non-negotiable, right? Like I always need these things. Yeah. So a question that I, that I kind of want to ask about that. And I've, I mean, I wish you could see these papers. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so (laughs) many little tangents and things to go on. Right. But like, okay. So you became an entrepreneur doing this. So Destination Legal now is really for coaches, online coaches, and really protecting in all ways. Like you helped me get, well, I haven't gotten it yet, but it's coming, my trademark, right? And like, Mm -hmm. so you help people like me, like protect everything that we're we're building. Um, What do you think though, that the biggest sacrifice is that you've had to make as an entrepreneur? Because now you've been doing this for a while. Even if you're just like every other entrepreneur, right? I was talking about this the other day on the podcast. Like our businesses can be going amazingly and been growing every year for six years. And we're always going to feel like it's going to maybe fall apart tomorrow sometimes, right? But like your business has been around. It's been growing. It's only getting better every year, right? So this is this is it. Like you're, you're happy. You're doing what you love. You're like... So, but what what sacrifice have you had to make now that you've really embraced this is my life, right? I'm this is my business. There isn't really pivoting in a big way anymore. I found myself. Right. So now what are the sacrifices for that? I mean, I think one of the sacrifices is exactly what you just said, like kind of closing off those other doors. So if I ever did think I was gonna be a travel photographer for National Geographic. Now, I still could try, but probably not, right? And so um, I think maybe some of those thoughts, um, you know, the sacrifice of being an entrepreneur and having your own business is you kind of sacrifice your sanity <laughs> in a way because there is this level of, of stress that someone getting a paycheck every couple months doesn't have. Now, I personally believe that being a, a business owner is the most job security you can have. I've had yeah. friends get laid off and sent out in two hours. And, you know, that's really scary. I I think we're lucky enough to know that we can always make more money. Yeah. And if Destination Legal did burn down, like, 
there are plenty of other businesses I could start. I love making landing pages. And doing <laughs> so that could be my next thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's a hard question because I don't really think. You don't think you've had to sacrifice much. Much. Well, that's good. Like, I think. Let's let's talk about one thing, though, too, where part of Sarah didn't like routine and didn't like being like tied to something and didn't like having to answer to other people, right, but have like deadlines and have like these things, right, that were like just kind of restricting your freedom a little bit, right? But yet then you you said earlier in the interview, and it's true, and I think this I'm talking about this because people have a misconception. Like, I'm going to quit working in my nine to five so that I can just have all my days free and all my time free and just be able to go to lunch with all my friends and just be able to go to the beach whenever I want and just be able to whatever, right? So like that freedom feeling, right? But you said earlier, like, being an entrepreneur requires like real discipline, real structure to your days. Like real so here you are trying to leave the law to avoid routine and avoid whatever and now you're like and I have a business and the reason it's successful <laughs> is because I have a routine and I have like, you know, I have this like strict kind of discipline about how I run my business. So how do you reconcile that with you? Well, so this has been probably the biggest challenge. So a quote that I heard that I love that is actually on my desk here is um, discipline equals freedom. And that is so true. I have not always been the best at it. Now, Destination Legal is amazing. It is very successful. But there's no doubt in my mind had I worked harder, we would be double the revenue we're at. And so I have built this business working part-time for sure. Definitely in the last year and a half when I was pregnant and having a baby and at home with him, um, I've been very lucky in that regard because I haven't always been the most structured and disciplined. So now, um, I'm getting better at that and having a baby has actually helped me get better at that. I hear they I do. Less, I, I hear they yeah, have routines and things. <laughs> I, I have way less time. And so it's it yeah. caused me to, to need to do more. And that's one of, what is it? Parkinson's Murphy. Yeah. One of the, the, laws, the things that like, it'll whatever, expand to fit the time. Yeah, whatever yeah. amount of time you have, like will expand. And so there are things that um, I let take a month that probably should have taken a day yeah and so um now you know I only have 20 minutes to get this to get something done I need to do the biggest like thing that I can in this time right and get it done in 20 minutes now so I love what you said though about and this is kind of what I because this conversation came up in the all-in entrepreneur the other day about like boy this is the biggest farce you think you're going to quit your job and like have this life you love and you don't because you're just like working around the clock and working all the time. And so this is what I mean by trade-offs. And this is what I want to point Like what I love about what Sarah said is, you know, that that you really designed the life you wanted to live first. And then you were like, how do I make, again, you reverse engineered it. How do I make my business model support it? And it may mean growing slower. And it may mean not making as much. Like there are the trade-offs, right? The trade-offs are, to, so when you're coming into a business and you think, oh, I'll have all the freedom and I'll make all the money and have all the business and have all the opportunities and do all the things. Like those don't jive together. You have to create the model that supports your life 
right? So you have to know what you life you want, but then you have to be okay with like the trade-offs. And sometimes the trade-offs are, and it doesn't mean that you, you can't then do it. It might be, oh no, I can still make double the amount of revenue. I'm just going to do like really crazy, risky, scary things during my 20 hours a week that I work. But like, if that's not supporting the life you want to live to like be taking those risks and being that uncomfortable, then that won't work either. Right. I just don't think people think, you know, about the trade-offs and about the reality, but you can have both. It just may look different or be a different timeline, right? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I've seen other coaches and business owners who, you know, have these ginormous businesses and most of them are very honest that they work a lot and that it takes a lot to get there. And so because you're right for me, it's not just about the money. It's about building the life that I want. Yeah. If I didn't want to work past six as an attorney, I definitely don't want to work past six as my own boss. So I don't work past six. I don't work on the weekends. And like, you know, yes, there's the rare night. Like, for instance, last night I was on the phone with my accountant at 9 p.m. at night because today's the end of the month. Yeah. And there's tax stuff happening. But like that never, ha- you know, it's a rare thing versus um, something that happens all the time. And I know our coach Lacey talks about this she built her business, which is that she has grown and scaled as she wanted to building the life at the same time versus like growing 10x and then being like, oh, wait, I don't have a life. Yeah. Well, there's a book that we love that I think Lacey introduced us to right? called uh, Creating Money, right? So that book, Creating Money. And my favorite quote is from that book, which is like, the process of getting there is the experience being there, right? And so when people think, well, I'm just going to work around the clock and I'm just going to go all in, like in that way, like overwhelmed and stressed out. and put, So that then, right, at the end of a year or two, I'll have all this time and all this freedom. And like what they don't realize is they just built a business that doesn't allow that. They can't walk away from it because they were a crucial part and working around the clock and stress and all of that is exactly how they built their. So they're just going to feel that like they're not going to be able to walk away from it, right? So like you have to make sure that the process of building your business gives you the life you want now as part of that process. But let's be honest, it's easier said than done. So what are some tips that you have for people to be able to honor like the boundaries that you set where you're like, look, like I don't want to work after six. I want to spend time with my husband and my kid. I don't want to. But we all know the re- now for me, I don't have a kid. So it's easier sometimes for me to get wrapped up and just like Mm-hmm. dishonor my boundaries. So maybe this might be asking quote unquote for a friend. How do you honor your boundaries <laughs> that you're setting so that you really can live that life you want? What helps you do that? I mean, you just have to do it. So like at six, like you, so one thing is to recognize, even if you work until eight or nine, you're not going to finish it. Whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. there's always more to do. Yeah. Right. So unless it's like a burning thing that needs to be done by 8am, like it'll be there the next day. Yep. The other thing is like to plan or have fun things for the evening. So like one of my de-stressors is like taking a nice bubble bath. Like if that's happening at 630, then I look forward to that. And I know that that is important. Yeah. And, you know, having time with your partner, significant other doing things like that. But then also just like keeping a schedule, whether it's a to-do list or a calendar or however, getting everything out of your head so that it's not stressing you out and that you can kind of decompress and walk away. But like knowing that it is going to get done tomorrow or the next day or whatever it needs to be, um, I think is really important. But honestly, I am always working on this. So I'm always tweaking my schedule and doing a time block and things like that. Like for me, 
you know, my mornings are really important. And I know you value your mornings too. Like I have a Peloton and like, I get that done before I open my email. Like if I open my email, I'm distracted. I feel like I need to respond. And so I don't even open my work email until usually 9.30 or 10 when I'm like sitting down for the day. Yeah. And so the other thing I stopped, I'm so I stopped really checking my work email on my phone. Nice. And so that has been um, great for boundaries as well, because again, like most of us are not doing brain surgery here. Like it's not usually life or death. And so it can wait. I don't need to check my work email at 9 p.m. at night. It's only going to. That's that lawyer mentality that gets ingrained in us, right? Live and die by our Blackberry. Um, No, I love love it. And like this is a year that I've decided, you know, I'm not working more than 30 hours a week or whatever, you know, whatever. And so and it was the same thing. The only way that I'm ever going to really get there is just by having a week that just starting it saying I don't work more than 30 hours this week. Right. And just like letting it just keep happening and putting everything I have into it and then tweaking, tweaking that. Right. Um, And that the, I took your advice without realizing I was taking your advice. I schedule something fun now. Like I think what it was is when I didn't have a clear intention for my personal time, it was way easier to let that time be just like it would be in a business without being intentional about how you spend your business time, right? It feels like a chaotic mess and like, oh, I'm just wasting it. And like, what am I doing? That's what happened with my personal time when I didn't have an intention for how I want to spend that time. Like you have to be just as intentional with your personal time, right? Yeah. So, you know, like reading time, there's, I am always working on having more of that. So like scheduling that for 30 minutes in the morning and then 30 minutes at night or just things like that. Well, let's talk a little bit because the, the latest development in your business, right, is that it's really a family business now. Yes. So your husband is going to going to become an employee of your business, right? He is. He's he's more of a partner. He's coming on as um, director of sales and marketing. And now as of this week, because I'm so fed up with taxes, he is now the CFO as well. (laughs) Congratulations, honey. I am done with this. Here's my accountant's name and phone number. Like, I just am too stressed now because we're, you know, we're an S corp now and there's like a whole bunch of stuff that goes on with that. And I was just like, this is something that I, this is not in my wheelhouse. This, this raises my blood pressure. He loves it. So I'm like, here you go. Yeah, we're really excited. So something that obviously I value, but so does he, that's why I married him. That's travel and adventure. And that's, important for our family as well looking down the road we really want the freedom to spend summers in europe and maybe live a year in spain and just have that as part of our life and um up until now he's been in real estate which is you know you kind of have to be there if you're going to sell a house and so we talked for a long time about how can we um, bring him into the location independent world whether it's his own business and after lots of discussion and thinking about what destination legal needs to really get to the next level, it all made sense because he is an amazing um, marketer and salesman. So yeah. I'm really excited about that's exciting. Um, what that's going to look like. Are there any worries though about like now being married and working together and running a business together? How are you guys going to set the boundaries there? For sure, there are worries. And fortunately, we both said, let's give it a year. If this is the worst mistake, you can always <laughs> go back and, yeah. and do real estate or, you know, he wants to get into real estate investment and stuff. So we fortunately have him out there. I think um, 
yes, there are some concerns around boundaries and actually starting out, I'm better about it than he is. Like this morning, he was like talking about taxes when it was like 6.30, we're laying in bed. I was like, this is not- This is not okay. (laughs) This is not okay. (laughs) Let's Um, not do that. I think- I think we will um, be setting some boundaries on communication yeah. and kind of keeping that um, during the workday and on certain meetings. And we have a we have a weekly date night, and so making sure that like we're not talking all about that. Um, it's definitely going to be a work in progress, and we're kind of at the beginning of that journey. And so, so stay tuned. I'm going to recommend, I'm actually going to recommend to everybody out there who's interested in this idea about setting boundaries with a partner um, that you work with my episode 11 of my podcast, which was actually called talking about marriage, entrepreneurship and communication. I interviewed Sean McMullen, who is the husband of Tara McMullen, who does, who's a big entrepreneur. And he had come into her business as well later in the game. And he talks exactly about how they navigated that and what they do to navigate that and like how they've set their boundaries and how they hold me like and how they keep those containers I think you'd be really interested amazing in yeah. I will add that yeah. to my queue yeah I have been um listening to a couple different entrepreneur yeah. couple podcasts recently just to to get it because it's different well. right it's just something new to navigate but I love that it still ties into your priorities of freedom and family and flexibility and all of that right so I think that that's great so I, I'm curious, what do you think the most valuable lesson is that you've learned from, let's say, both from travel and from business, like running your own business? What is the most valuable lesson you've learned from each one of those? Well, from business, I think it's, you know, you need to be solving a problem and like you need to be helping. And I think it was Zig Ziglar, potentially, somebody, like one of those great guys that was like, you know, if you just worry about helping more people, you will make more money. Like, don't worry about the money and then the people. It's always about the people first. So I think about, you know, as most of us, when we're just starting out, of course, there's going to be a focus on the money. But if you can look at the bigger picture and how you can really solve a problem and solve a problem for more people, like that is a great way to think of it and just helping more people. And then you know, in travel, I mean, I think in travel, the biggest lesson is the more different you think we are, like the more like we are and to just be kind to each other. And it's such a big world and get out there and see things, whether it's two blocks away or 2000 blocks away. Yeah. Um, it really is such an amazing opportunity to get to know other people and then get to know yourself so you know when you're faced with a menu that's not in English or someone comes up to you and is yelling at you in a foreign language like there are so many experiences that are gonna help you get to know yourself better that's There's so many lessons. I love it. And that kind of answered the next question I was going to ask before I get to my rapid bullet point, like question format of my podcast. But it was like, what advice do you have for people who might be feeling stuck right now? They feel like they're stuck in that unhappy place, right? I'm going to answer for you and then you can change it if this isn't your answer. But based on what you said, it's kind of like, even if it's just going to like a different 
restaurant in a different neighborhood, like outside of your comfort zone, down the street, like go to these places, right? And start having these different experiences and you'll get to know. So if somebody can't travel to India, you can surely go to like an authentic Indian restaurant in a part of town that you've probably never been to. Go by yourself, like sit there and experience it, right? Because you're going to really learn yourself. So that's the answer I have for you in terms of like, how what, what do you suggest to people who are just feeling stuck and they want to travel or they want to have a business that they love or they want something that lights them up, but they're like, I don't know where to start. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I definitely, part of your answer, I think, I think back to when I was feeling really stuck. I remember sitting on the floor in my apartment in DC with a glass of wine and just like crying because I didn't know what to do. I did feel so stuck. So I just started to think like, what do I really want? Like, what do I want in life? And like, what came out on that piece of paper was like, I just want to work like the freedom to work at Starbucks. It wasn't even at that point, the freedom to work from Thailand or from Greece. It was just the, the freedom. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, how can we do that? And of course, it was a long time before that actually came to fruition. But I would say if you're really stuck, the first thing you need to do is figure out where you want to go. Yeah. You might not get there tomorrow, but like what's kind of the bigger picture. And then the other thing you can do is what you said is that if you're interested, think about what you want. Like what are those bigger feelings? Like I want to feel, I want to travel. And so why don't you go somewhere in your area that you've never been? Like I want to feel more relaxed and I want to get weekly massages. Well, why don't you find a place? There's one here in Chicago where you can yeah. get a foot massage for $14. It doesn't have to be the risk. And so yep. look at like the bigger picture of what you want. Like I want to feel relaxed and spa-like. Well, light a candle yes. in your bathtub, mm -hmm. like pour some bubbles in there. And so I think, you know, it's about creating the feeling and kind of stepping into who you think you want to be. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the end all and be all. It's just like, What's the next step? What's the next step? So like I moved to Thailand with a one-way ticket. I had no idea. I just knew my next step was to be around people that were running businesses oh online in Asia. My heart is like pounding. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's a one-way ticket. Oh my gosh. It's like, I have to, I need to step outside of my comfort zone, like <laughs> in the travel area. So that's one thing I'm going to do. So, okay. So uh, I get to like this rapid, I ask like four or five questions, like really quickly, like no overanalyzing. What, if you had one sentence to tell women business owners regarding what you do, so like protecting their business, what, what would you say to them? Just one sentence, like that sums up your point of view and like what you feel about women business owners and what they do to protect everything that they've built. Like, yeah, I mean, it's hashtag protect your passion. Don't build your dream business on a rocky foundation. Yeah. Just don't do it. It'll crumble. People, it'll crumble. Um, what is something that people misunderstand about you? I think they probably think that it is a little bit more glamorous than it is. Yeah. Oh, that your life is a little more glamorous and that your job, your business is a little more glamorous. Yeah, destination yeah. legal does sound really super Well, glamorous. and I've had friends especially who don't understand kind of be like, well, I wish I could just go to yeah, Thailand. Right. Of <laughs> yeah. course you can. Of course right. you can. But it's not all, it's not. It's not like I got off the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All this stuff has worked out. What is the thing that makes you feel like your best and highest self? Uh, goodness. Um, 
Well, traveling and yeah. luxury is one of them. But like, what what do you love about traveling the most? Is it the people? Is it the experience? Is it just like, what is it about that? I, I think it's the freedom and the excitement of being somewhere new and exploring. Yeah, exploring. Yeah. Now, yeah. what podcasts are on your podcast playlist? Uh, literally. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so that's one. Lately, I have been listening to some of the couple ones. So I've been listening to Joe and Josh Stanton at the crew, and I've been listening to um, Kate Northrup and her husband. They have a podcast together. Um, of course, yours is on there. I do listen to Gold Digger. I have a ton. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I actually had one, but one person once say, "I don't listen to podcasts," and I was like, "I don't understand who you are." <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I thought I knew you, and now I don't know you at all. Um, what books are on your nightstand? Oh goodness, such a variety. One is Crib Sheet, which is a book um, by an economist about raising a baby. Um, one is called Within, which is kind of like self love and self development. Um, I have the one page marketing plan. Like I am, I am a serial, I probably am reading 10 books yeah. right now. So yeah. there are, there I'm the same way. I've got like a book in a different, what I've finally done is they're in different rooms. And so when I'm in that room, that's the book that I read. It takes longer, but it works for me. Um, what yeah. is a motto that you just love right now? What's a motto that's just kind of like governing your days or your business or you right now? Discipline equals freedom. Yeah, that one. Does I like that one a lot, right? Like I do like that one a lot. Yeah. And what are you most excited about for 2020? Goodness. So I'm really excited about having my husband on board. That is going to be great. And then a lot of new things. So I invested in a marketing firm. And so for the first time, you know, five years later, for the first time, I'm running like some legit ads with a legit funnel. And we're just going to see what that does for Destination Legal. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. And then we're just, we also just moved over to Shopify. So uh, the template hub is going to be the legal shop. Well, so tell, tell people really quickly the kinds of things that you do offer, right? Like it, for, it's not just for coaches, but like coaches are kind of your wheelhouse, but women online business owners, like what, if they came over to destinationlegal.com, which guys is, that's where you should go, destinationlegal.com. What would they find there? What could they take advantage of? Because it's not like going in and hiring an attorney. You have like done for you stuff. No, done for you. Absolutely. So um, destinationlegal.com, you know, I am an attorney and I work with coaches and online business owners and I've created downloadable templates. So everything from your coaching contract to terms of purchase for an online course or a membership site to your privacy policy, contracts for hiring people, hosting live events and retreats. So the legal shop has, gosh, probably over 30 and there's bundles and all of that. Uh, And then I also do trademark registration. So as you're building your business and want to protect your brand name or podcast name or program name, um, the only way to really do that and own that is with a trademark. And so I have a trademark package called Make Your Mark, and then also Legal You, which is going to be new on the new website, and that is just um, lots of blog articles and any podcasts I've been on, so just uh, any articles that have been published online, lots of legal resources there. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. So destinationlegal.com. That's where you guys can go to check it out. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today with us. I learned a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like document. Now I wanna I actually saw for a speaking engagement um the National Travel Writers Association and I was like, oh, yeah. maybe I'll like go have some experience. Now I'm gonna be a travel writer. Like it's like <laughs> Let's do it. Gonna Let's do, go that's to it. India, that's the motto. Yes. Just do it, guys. Just do it. Just so um, that's not our motto. Somebody else owns that trademark and like we're not, <laughs> we're not stealing that trademark. So, um, all right. Well, thank you. And guys, I will catch you all next week on another episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It Show. And my goal is to share this business-boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser-focused and go all-in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to RitaMimiDoIt.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.